Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cracking Addiction. My name's Philippe Nguyen, and I'm joined as always by Fergal Armstrong. In the episode of Cracking Addiction today, we're going to be talking about naloxone. So, Fergal, can you tell us a bit more about naloxone, and in particular, uh, a bit about take-home naloxone, which is the form that we usually give to our patients? Yeah, so naloxone forms an integral part of harm reduction. And basically, it's the antidote to an overdose. Um, in terms of how it, how, how, it, how it comes, you can get naloxone in ampules, you can get naloxone in a kind of an injectable pen-like device, and you can get naloxone in a nasal spray. I think the easiest uh, type of naloxone to use in the community is the nasal spray, because if you're asking you know, family members or friends to kind of inject someone who's lying blue and cyanosed and not breathing in the middle of the street, it can get a little bit messy if you're going to inject them with naloxone. So I think intranasal naloxone is going to be going into the future. The key harm reduction intervention is going to save lives in Australia. Um, the dose is pretty much um, st standard in terms of uh, plasma levels, but the dose in, in the injection vials is 400 micrograms in a single dose, but you know they come in um, up to two milligrams in a, in a pen and up to um, two milligrams in an ampule. And the dose in a naloxone nasal spray is 1.8 milligrams in a solution and it's per squirt. But remember, the, the kinetics of the nasal spray are slightly different compared to the kinetics of the intramuscular injection. Absolutely. And I think it's important for us to, to reiterate that obviously naloxone is a mu receptor antagonist and it's utilized for people who are overdosing on opioids. And also the person administering the naloxone is not the person who's about to overdose, but a bystander or someone yeah. else. So it's important that when we're talking about naloxone or training people on naloxone, that we actually train not only the person uh, who we're giving the script to, but also the person who's with them so they know how to how to use naloxone. Is, is, is that a fair statement, Fergal? Yeah, absolutely. So many times I've said to people, oh, have, you, have you got any naloxone? Oh, no, I never overdose. And then I say to them, yeah, but you might not overdose, but what about the guy next to you? So surely you should be taking naloxone to help the guy that you're with. Because remember, we've said in previous episodes that one, uh, one harm reduction strategy that we need to introduce to people is the fact that you should never inject on your own. So yes, it's, it, the, the training that we give patients is not necessarily for them, it's for their friends with whom they inject. And that's also an interesting conversation to have with people to say, well, actually, you know, we need to bring in your, your partner, your mother, your father, your, your, your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, because they're the ones that are going to need to administer this. And this goes back down to the issue of acceptability. It can sometimes be very challenging for people to, to have to actually open up a pen and stick a needle into someone's thigh, or even when the good old days when there were only vials, you know, break open the vial, draw it up in a syringe without shaking, and try and stab it, stab it into someone's, your loved one's thigh without stabbing it into yourself first. That was all terribly messy. So I can't emphasize enough just the, the facility of the, the nasal uh, naloxone is really, really, you know, improving our ability to care for our patients. And if anyone in government is watching this, free naloxone via nasal spray 
is got, has got to be a really high priority in terms of harm reduction. Well, as we know, Fergal, a, a lot of government advisors do watch this podcast, so I'm sure I'm sure they're listening <laughs> yes. avidly and will be taking well, notes. If you're listening, <laughs> but this brings me to another question with regards to naloxone. So, say the family member or loved one of the individual who's overdosing has administered naloxone. Is is that it then? Is that all? Um, done and dusted, you just call the ambulance and you've done your bit? Or is there anything else about the pharmacokinetics and bioavailability of naloxone that we should be discussing? Well, I think let's emphasize the basics as we did in a previous episode. So the basics are, first of all, recognize what an overdose looks like. Call triple zero and then give naloxone. And if you don't do anything else, that's enough. You actually, if you call triple zero, that's enough. But if you don't do, you know, you've, you've, you've recognized, called, and you've given naloxone. What you can do is to stay with the patient until the paramedics come. Because if you, if you want to give a second dose, you probably need to wait at least a couple of minutes before you, you're giving the second dose of um, intramuscular naloxone and potentially up to five minutes before you're giving the second dose of the nasal naloxone. Now, two to five minutes, that's a long time to wait when you're with someone who's, who's, who's having an overdose, but it's actually a very short amount of time in terms of getting an ambulance to you. But sometimes it is necessary to, to give a repeat dose. And also sometimes it's also necessary to give more than one dose at the first, at the first injection because we do know that there are certain opioids that need more than just one dose of naloxone. Absolutely. So Fergal, can I ask, and I'll tell you my practice as well, usually with, when I give someone a script for opioid substitution therapy, I usually give a script for take-home naloxone at the same time. And that's just my practice. Is, there, is that similar to what you're doing with, take, with naloxone? And are there any other instances where you would consider giving naloxone or giving a script for naloxone out? Yeah, look, I think that's that's great what you're doing. Um, I, I I try and encourage uh, the prescribing of naloxone, but I know that myself, I don't I don't do it all the time, and that's a personal oversight on my part. But it's something that I aspire to. You know, it, it, it's also it's a difficult conversation to persuade someone to actually take a naloxone script if they're absolutely adamant about it. And I have met patients who are just point blank refuse to take it and point blank refuse to have that that conversation, and it makes me wonder why they, they're refusing it. And, you know, there are reasons why people refuse naloxone advice, which we can go into. But in terms of when should you consider naloxone, the answer is you should consider naloxone prescriptions for every single patient that is taking illicit opioids and also for every patient who is being prescribed opioids. The CDC in the States came up with this guidance that said that, look, if you're taking an OMAD of more than 50 milligrams a day, you would benefit from prescribing naloxone. Now, a lot of people will say, well, you know, I've been tolerant to prescription opioids for years. I've never had a problem. It's really important to understand that respiratory depression is the end point of multiple loads on the cardiorespiratory system. So yes, low-dose opioids in and of themselves aren't going to load the cardiorespiratory system per se. But if you factor in a little bit of COPD or a little bit of asthma, and then you factor in an upper respiratory tract infection, then bang, you've got enough to tip someone over the edge into respiratory depression. So really, someone who's on opioids 
at a dose of an OMAD of more than 50 is really one cold away from respiratory depression. And you're not going to know that. You're going to feel as you've got a head cold, you take your tablets, uh, you take your usual nighttime tablets of maybe Tarjan, you have a head cold, you maybe take some Codrol with the decongestion, maybe a sedative antihistamine, and you go to bed because you're feeling unwell, and bang, you wake up dead the next day because you can literally be one cold away from a respiratory overdose. And it's not you that's going to pull you out of that. It's your partner who's going to pull you out of that. So to summarize, I recommend that anyone who's on an OMAD of more than 50 milligrams a day be given naloxone and be, be given education about naloxone and their partner being educated about naloxone use. But what does that look like in clinical practice? It can be an interesting question in clinical practice, especially with the prescribed opioids. So I find, and, and this is my own personal experience, so I'm not trying to uh, extrapolate this uh, beyond my own personal experience, but I find uh, a lot of the patients that I see who are using heroin are already quite well aware of naloxone and are quite receptive to, to the option of take-home naloxone. Not everyone, but the vast majority of patients have heard of it and understand the rationale for it. This contrasts quite significantly to the patients I see with prescribed opioids or prescribed op um, opioid use dependence. And that can be quite a confronting conversation for some people. And I kind of try and phrase the uh, situation as a medical situation and just say, we know that when you're on an OMED over 50, your risk of having an adverse reaction increases exponentially. And this is a break glass in emergency medication. I don't expect you to ever need to use it, but it's there as a backup. And a colleague of mine likened naloxone to an EpiPen. Hopefully you never have to use it, but if you do need it, at least you've got it with you. And that's the way I try and frame it. And very much like you said, Fergal, by and of itself, if you're on a stable dose of opioids, um, that, that is fine. But all you need is some cardiorespiratory condition to occur, bad flu, significant pneumonia, and then the uh, effects of the opioids can potentially prove overwhelming to you and you may need this as a backup in case you do go into, into an opioid overdose. So that's been yeah. my personal experience anyway with, with naloxone. Does that, does that mirror yours at all or, or not really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we both know the same colleague who's, who's used this phrase that naloxone is the EpiPen of addiction medicine. It's absolutely true. You know, you don't ever want to have to use it, but you always want it there just in case. I mean, if we, we can also talk about, you know, the, the, the clinical tips about actually the, the practical experience of using it. And I think there are a number of issues that we need to highlight regarding its use. So first of all, how much do you give? How, how much do you tell people to give in terms of naloxone? So the, the standard dose is 400 micrograms of naloxone. And if it's in the Pronoxad pre-filled syringe, that's essentially a, a, a syringe full. So that's easy. If they're using the Nixoid nasal spray, it's, it's one act, you, you tell the patient to just give one actuation into, into, into the nostrils. So yeah. it's just one spray into, into the nostrils. Um, when they come in vials, <laughs> it's a bit, Difficult. In all honesty, I don't think I've actually ever prescribed a vial to a patient or the family. In the heat no, of the moment, it's going to be difficult to crack open a vial, draw up the right dose. So practically, I always give Nixoid nasal spray 
If I don't have nixoid nasal spray available, I give Pronoxav because it's a pre-filled syringe and you don't have to think about it. Yeah. So essentially, I just say yeah. uh, one spray of the uh, the nasal spray or just depress the syringe completely into, into the muscle. Yeah, and so a, a complete depression will actually give two milligrams, but with, with a, if, if, if you're a doctor on site, you would use 400 microgram doses. I think there's five 400 microgram doses in a Pronoxad. Um, now, how quickly does it act? You know, because you've, you've given the drug and you're expecting a miraculous recovery. You know, what, what's, what, what kind of time frame can we expect for its onset of action? So I guess the half-life of naloxone is between 30 to, to 81 minutes, but the time for action is actually quite, quite quick. You'd, you'd expect a response yeah. usually within 30 seconds to a minute but, uh, from in, in terms of kind yeah. of beginning to reverse yeah. the effects of the opioid overdose. So, but it, does, it, yeah. it will hang around for a while. However, if we're talking about a long-acting opioid that the patient has taken, the half-life is quite short of naloxone, which is why we were talking about maybe needing a second dose. But by then, hopefully, after you've rung triple zero, the ambulance are available to, to take the patient off to a tertiary facility or, or ED, more likely, and they can manage the patient thereafter. But you'd expect a response pretty quickly. Not to say the patient will be immediately uh, reverting, but you'd expect within 30 seconds to a minute that you'd get a pretty good outcome. Is that, is that fair, Fergal? Yeah, so you, you, I, I say to patients, you can expect a response. You might have to wait up to two minutes at the right, uh, at the right dose. Um, but nasal naloxone has an, has an onset that's slightly slower but tends to last longer. Uh, so if you're using a nasal spray, you might have to wait slightly longer. But you're absolutely right when, you know, to emphasize the point that the, the half-life of naloxone is usually shorter than the half-life of opioids that are, that are causing the overdose. So we know that the half-life of naloxone is between 30 to 80 minutes. And so if, if you've got a, someone who's metabolizing naloxone fast, that's half an hour. And so, you know, you might have to use multiple doses of um, naloxone to maintain someone uh, to make sure that they don't go back into uh, an opioid-induced coma. Um, and so really, once you've used naloxone, they really need to be observed for at least two hours uh, to make sure they're not going to revert back. And then that kind of starts bringing up the issue of the repeat injections. So, you know, you know, if, you, if it's really a clinical judgment because it, the, the need for a second injection not only depends on the kinetics of the naloxone, but also the kinetics of the opioid that, that is used as well. And that's just so variable. So it's really hard to give an absolute guidance. But suffice to say, you know, it's got a rapid onset, but it's you, you need to monitor the patient for two hours and be prepared to give a second dose. Uh, what's your view on fentanyl and the role of naloxone in fentanyl overdoses? Essentially, if I've got a patient who's utilizing fentanyl, then I will obviously give take-home naloxone. I guess the argument is that sometimes patients may require a higher dose of naloxone with regards to a fentanyl overdose but essentially yeah. I counsel patients the same way I would any other opioid but whether or not they yeah. may actually require you you mentioned earlier in the episode about potentially giving a, a high dose initially with regards to certain opioids yeah. fentanyl would be one that I would consider yeah. that higher dose initially to, to be yeah. honest um, but I, I give the same generic advice regardless yeah 
Yeah, so for me, fentanyl and also the partial agonists like ibuprofen overdose, paradoxically, um, they may need higher higher than usual doses. Um, one of the one of the issues with giving high doses is that you tend to start getting side effects of of um, naloxone. So, can you talk us through some of the side effects that you might expect with naloxone? So- I guess the, the common side effects that you pr- potentially get are significant opioid withdrawal. So naloxone is a mu receptor antagonist. So you, you've gone from someone who is getting a, uh, an opioid effect to suddenly becoming alert, agitated. Um, you can get uh, a tremor, runny nose, generalized aches and pains, and almost like a flu-like illness. So you've gone into like essentially a, a withdrawal state. So those would be some of the main naloxone effects that we'd be talking about, which also goes to a question I was going to ask ask you, Fergal, which is a lot of patients get naloxone. Uh, a lot of patients are not aware that they're going to be getting naloxone. So they've, they've taken heroin or some other opioid. They've overdosed. They've received naloxone. They've then gone into withdrawal. And then one of the thinkings is that they that the patient is then immediately going to uh, potentially try and seek opioids to get out of this withdrawal state. What's your advice to patients or what's your advice to family members after giving naloxone and say the ambulance isn't, isn't coming or they, they haven't called the ambulance and, and potentially utilising opioids again to, 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 to feel more sedated? Yeah, it's, it's a huge issue. And actually, it also speaks to the fact that when it's not automatic. If you call triple zero and you haven't given naloxone and the paramedics come, they don't necessarily give naloxone. What they will do more often than not is actually try and maintain breathing in their airway as they transport the patient to the hospital. And it's usually uh, better to try and maintain airway and just let the opioid wear off in a controlled environment than it is to give the antidote. But, you know, that's only when you've got trained staff. If, you, if you're surrounded by bystanders, naloxone saves lives. There's no doubt about it. But... Just remember, this goes back to the point about monitoring for two hours, right? It's very easy for someone to wake up with nalox- from naloxone and, and be very agitated and then want to go off for a, another another hit of their, of their opioid. Just remember that naloxone will, could last shorter than the first hit of, of uh, heroin or any other opioid, in which case they'll have another crash very quickly as soon as the naloxone wears off, but not only because the effects of the first overdose will, will remain, but also because you've now added on more opioid load. So it's, it's a very, very dangerous thing to do to let someone take another hit of heroin after you've given them naloxone or another hit of any opioid. I mean, you know, one of the issues that also in terms of the side effects, apart, apart from, you know, precipitating opioid withdrawal is, you know, you also end up with, you know, unpredictable issues with the cardiorespiratory system. So you can some, there's a theoretical risk of precipitating, um, heart failure or acute pulmonary edema. And I've never seen that. I've, I've seen lots of reversal of opioids with naloxone, but I've never actually seen pulmonary edema, but it, it's also an issue. So, Philippe, I mean, you know, if we're talking about reversal of, um, of um, opioid overdose and going back to fentanyl, there is an issue with using, with having, first of all, having to use high doses of uh, naloxone to reverse the fentanyl overdose, but fentanyl is associated with the stiff chest syndrome could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, Fergal. So the stiff chest syndrome is whereby fentanyl-bound uh, mu opioid receptors on this, in the central nervous system cause activation of the dopaminergic pathways, and that can cause prolonged chest wall skeletal muscle contraction. And that can 
cause difficulties in ventilation. So it does create further problems for, for patients when we're trying to resuscitate them because it can affect yeah. the, the contractility or the movement of the chest wall. So yeah. it is something to be mindful of and wary yeah. of. So if you're trying to ventilate a patient and you've given them high, so you've given the patient high doses of naloxone to reverse the fentanyl overdose, and then you've theoretically you've precipitated them into uh, pulmonary edema. So it's difficult to ventilate someone in pulmonary edema. If you're finding significant difficulties in ventilating, it could not just be, it, it might not just be pulmonary edema. It might also be the stiff chest syndrome. And really the only treatment for that is uh, intubation and paralysis. Absolutely. Which complicates matters further. Yes, it, it, indeed it does. So yeah. in the episode of Cracking Addiction today, we've, we've talked a lot about naloxone, the side effects of naloxone, when to administer it, how to administer it, and the different formulations there are of naloxone. It's a massive topic, very topical, and it is something that more and more medical practitioners are prescribing, and we strongly recommend all doctors consider prescribing naloxone for any patient who's on an OMED over 50 and for any patient who's on opioid substitution therapy. Thank you for your attention on the episode of Cracking Addiction today and bye for now. Bye.